Mark, can you summarise what the differences are between the kind of injuries that you would treat for the amateur, the hobby player, as opposed to the professional who's playing tennis pretty much the whole time? Yeah, yeah, Chris, it's a really, really interesting question because, you know, the parts of the body that are affected in both groups of players are the same, but the kinds of injuries are different. And what I mean by that is that if you're a club-level or park-level tennis player, then you usually get an impact from a higher level of volume than what you're used to. So that becomes like an overuse injury. So, for example, if you only play during the summer and don't play any racket sports the rest of the time, then in those first couple of weeks as you pick up the racket and start playing, you've got a big chance of getting a wrist or an elbow issue, an overuse injury to the tendon or the joint in that area. The players don't get those same kinds of injuries because they're hitting balls all the time but what will happen is that they might change a string tension or be playing in gusty or windy conditions and those kinds of uplifts or changes in their environment are the things that sometimes will impact on a elbow or a wrist injury. So are you saying that just as a professional will have to maybe build up slowly after an injury anybody who hasn't played for a while whatever level they play at has got to build up gradually oh sure yeah so so again if you're if you're a, a club level player who's just playing during the summer season then they should be doing some conditioning work um, to optimize their ability to take the load of tennis at least a couple of months beforehand isn't that though slightly fighting against the idea of someone who discovers tennis and has great fun and says, oh, I love this. I want to play today. I want to play tomorrow. I want to play the next day. Yeah, yeah. look, I mean, I think if you're in your 20s, you can get away with that. But if you're 40, 50, 60, then, oh, my gosh, you've got to do your homework. If I have this rough idea of breaking down tennis players into about five categories, public parks, club, regional, whatever that means in whatever country you're in, national and international. Now, we can all imagine uh, those categories, but obviously the higher up that list you go, the more you're going to be playing tennis. How does the fitness regime change? Yeah, um, you and I both know that tennis now at the top level is not about hitting or striking a tennis ball. It's about movement. And, And I love going back and watching the greats play tennis and I constantly think to myself perhaps this video is being played in slow-mo because although they look graceful and athletic the change in the speed and what we call the acceleration deceleration those changes are dramatic I mean it's it's massively higher now than what it's been at any other time in this sport and so therefore the conditioning means that you have to have a body that can cope with truly high levels of load without breaking down because it's not just what you see happening on the court but these players are on practice courts pushing themselves for two or three hours twice a day during their training blocks they're deadlifting two to three times their body weight they're pushing and pulling weights around the place and they're moving incredibly fast because if they haven't got that speed then they can't perform at this level so are you saying that the tennis players of 40 50 years ago were more tennis players and the players of today are more athletes i think you're putting words into my mouth now chris but yeah perhaps i mean look i don't want to put words into your mouth but i'm just interested in the the concept because 
I mean, you look at a, a junior and you say, oh, it's a great ball striker. Yeah. But what's that, 20% of what actually makes a top-level player? Look, you have to have that. If you, if you haven't got a feel for the game and if you haven't got great hands around the net, if you, if you, can't, if you can't be coached into being relatively silky in the way that you play the sport, then you've got lots of impediments to reaching the top level. However, you also have to get there to play that shot and you have to get there in a good position and you have to have a base that you're able to move around. When I mean a base, I mean good core strength, ability to maintain and optimise a body segmentally positioned so that you can play that stroke. And if what happens is that 60 minutes, 90 minutes, 180 minutes in, you fatigue and you can't keep those positions, then you, you're hitting the ball long and out. So would a fitness regime to make a top-level player survive for more than 180 minutes to get into that fourth hour be roughly the same as you'd give to a club player playing two or three times a week albeit just in smaller doses uh, yeah um, I, I think what you find at club level is very few people who have any idea of what the conditioning is that they need they might take the dog for a walk and that might be for an hour and a half or so most mornings, and they might go for a bike ride in the weekends. But what we see now more than anything else is the, the desperate need for everybody to maintain strength as they pursue sport during their lives. And so you need to lift weights. That's the most important message that I think I can give to your listeners, is that if you're wanting to have the bandwidth to continue to play tennis without having injuries you need to be stronger than what you currently are right so even at sort of those the lower levels of my five category structure yep. the, the public parks and the club if you're playing regularly yes and what sort of i mean just going down to the gym to lift weights or just dumbbell at home or what do you know one of the great things about having access to some of the apps available on the internet is that you've got lots of really impressive trainers who are interested in tennis who on Instagram and Twitter and even with their own apps themselves you can go on and you can have programs that relate to tennis players so you can quite easily with investing in a little bit of basic kit at home you can quite easily have a program that is tennis specific that you can be working on three or four times a week yourself at home yeah if, if you want to you can hook up with a trainer who can do some personal training with you that will make the input more bespoke but doing something like this I can't emphasize allows you to play tennis with more enjoyment optimize your performance and absolutely reduce the risk of injury as a tennis player what are the main areas of the body that you find have most injuries backs hips knees shoulders are the ones that go through the whole spectrum of levels of player but the things that happen at the top end and the bottom end are more elbows and wrists as in like the elite level players recently have got a massive upswing of of wrist injuries perhaps because of the types of rackets perhaps because of the change in the weight of the balls but there's been a definite increase in the number of of wrist injuries on the tour um, and the, the wrist and elbow injuries are the ones that your park players get because they've picked up a tennis racket they've watched some tennis on telly they've gone out with bad technique and they've played four days in a, in a row and their arms hanging off at the end of it yeah 
And so the kind of um, strengthening exercises that you would devise for an elite level player to stop them getting a wrist injury, is that the same kind of exercise that you'd have for a club or public parks player? Well, well, well if, I could, if I could just touch on the point that to make sure that the wrist isn't injured, you need to have decent mobility in the wrist, which is easy to do, to just be doing range of movement, twiddly movements around your wrist and hand. But the reason why the wrist often gets injured is because it's playing catch up for some loss in energy transfer further down the body meaning if you've got a weakness in your back or your shoulder girdle then sometimes there'll be an increased load at the wrist so for a wrist you need to be evaluating and putting strength into the legs the core the shoulder girdle so when you see um a top player who seems to last an incredible amount of time, a Djokovic who could push off, you know, in the fourth hour of a match with incredible strength in his lower body. Um, Nadal, obviously, comes to mind. And, and, and some of the players who perhaps are less flair, but who we know are strong as an ox in terms of lasting. Um, is that just because they were born with good bodies or is that because they have worked harder than their peers at the core strength yeah look look i know a lot of detail about what a lot of players go through but if i can start off on saying they're all freaks as in they are so optimally engineered number one number two they have the ability to keep doing the most banal boring exercises for hours days in days out recognizing and understanding that it's important for their longevity and for their performance to do that and they've worked gradually day in day out over 20 30 years to get to that level yeah i mean look there's so many factors so many variables that are involved in seeing these elite level players continue to perform at the level they are you have, to have, you have to have the engineering, otherwise you break down at junior level and your body just can't take the training loads. But if you've got the engineering within your body, then you have to have a bloody-mindedness, a determination, a will to succeed that most people really don't have. And also, one last thing, Chris, you also need to recognise that the incremental gains that you have day-to-day over the course of a career are the things that achieve greatness. So... Is there an element where the amateur player says, look, I do this for fun. I don't do this to, to work out. Um, and therefore they take either a risk with their health or they say, that's fine as long as I only do play twice a week or whatever. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I truly think you can. If, you, if you're in a, a, a gentleman's or a lady's four at your local club and you're really not moving more than two or three steps and you're really just kind of like tapping the ball over the net and that's all you're focusing on and it's really about having a G&T or PIMS afterwards and socialising, then, yeah, it doesn't really matter at all. I, I really don't think it does. However, if you want to enjoy your tennis more and think about your technique and optimise your performance, then, oh, my gosh, the return that you'll get from putting a bit of conditioning effort in is town to mount. So if there was one thing that you would say to, let's try and pick up an average player, the maybe 30, 40, 50, they play twice, three times a week, they don't do any 
specific conditioning, whether cardio or weights, but they're in reasonably good shape. What's the one thing that they could do, without knowing their specific body types, that would actually make them better performers and make them slightly more resistant to injury? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I think that's easy. I'd, I'd be squatting. I'd be squatting is one of the things that I'd be doing. I'd be doing a few deadlifts. Um, I'd be doing a few kettlebell swings. And I'd be doing some type of core strengthening exercises. That, that's it. You can kind of, yeah, you can get a massive uplift by bulletproofing those parts of your body. And that's the kind of thing you could do on three to five minutes a day if you find the right things on the internet? That's, that's the kind of thing that you could do on 10 to 20 minutes three or four times a week. Yeah. Okay, because that may be more manageable for some people. I, I, and yeah. I think that's all they need to yeah. do, yeah. And when you see a different advance in, say, stringing technology or the, the strings um, or, or the racket frame technology, yeah. do you find then the injuries change because people play their strokes in a slightly different way? Yeah, I mean, people are constantly trying to change up their technique and sometimes those changes bring about injuries. The dark arts of stringing and frame uh, composition are things that are well outside my knowledge and understanding but I know that when I hear experts you deal with the effects of them yeah no exactly but what I was going to say is it's like when I when I hear experts talking about it you only need to change up your string pattern or your string tensions or even the strings you use, use slightly and it has a massive massive impact on the loads going through your body so ultimately is tennis a healthy sport yeah it's just the best thing it's the best thing. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I love playing tennis. I'm a club-level player myself. Um, I get out there three times a week, and I just if I didn't have that in my life, I'd really, really be upset is what I'd be. And uh, it's a sport I love to watch as well. I think it's incredible to watch on television, but, my gosh, getting courtside and watching these guys play, I just find it phenomenal. It's a brutal sport at the top level, but, my gosh, there's, there's majesty and grace to be witnessed, and... Uh, and these guys push themselves so hard. I think it's fantastic. So despite the fact that you deal with a lot of injuries, the positives well outweigh the negatives. Well outweigh the negatives. Couldn't put it better myself.